Hello and welcome to another Royal College of Psychiatrists podcast. My name is Howard Ryland. I am the Associate Editor of the College Newsletter. Today I'm very pleased to be joined by Theodore Spiru, who is the CEO of the Helplines Partnership. Theo, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much. It's a great uh, honour to be here today to answer your questions. Great. So the first question I wanted to ask is, what is Helplines Partnership? Helplines Partnership represents the helpline sector across the UK and internationally, supporting helplines to provide the best quality of service to their users. Helplines Partnership is the only membership body for helplines of all sizes and all client groups. Our members provide support via any non-face-to-face channel, such as telephone, email, SMS, social networking and instant messaging. So what do helplines do? I should maybe elaborate a little. Helplines have an important role supporting people with mental health and emotional needs, together with their carers, families, friends and professionals treating them. Helplines complement the provision of other mental health services, particularly when incorporated within care plans. Some helplines are integrated into local out-of-hours emergency provisions for people in distress. They are also accessible to individuals without a diagnosis and those who find it hard to engage with mainstream services. Three quarters of the workforce within helpline sector are volunteers. However, a number of helplines also employ paid staff and healthcare professionals. What I wanted to ask was how has the proliferation of new media and means of communication changed how people access help? Hmm. Well, helplines are recognised as being an important source of readily accessible social support for the UK's increasingly diverse population. In practice, many callers are from groups that are hard to reach or have more complex needs, such as children and young people, or older people and disabled people, people with mental health problems, or people from diverse ethnic or cultural backgrounds. Helplines are increasingly moving to be deliverers of multi-channel, non-face-to-face help provision using newer forms of technology such as Skype, social media, email, text and instant messaging. The move towards email support has been a particularly strong trend which can be seen in helplines supporting a wide demographic of users. Texting, instant messaging and Skype tends to be seen more in helplines that are targeting uh, towards younger people encompassing children, young adults and those under the age of 30. But helplines supporting older people have also noted a rise in the numbers of emails that they've received. Nightline, a member of Helplines Partnership, did some excellent research showing that there was a great preference among university students to be accessing help services through instant messaging rather than by phone. Helplines are also good at encouraging vulnerable callers to channel shift where appropriate. So, for example, a young person may first engage with a helpline help service through a series of text messages. The call handler will encourage the young person to shift to either a voice call or to instant messenger so that the caller's challenges can be explored in more depth and better support can be given. But while the sector is good at adopting new technology, older style contact methods remain important too. We did some research last year showing that payphones remain an important access route to vulnerable people, including prisoners, people in secure mental health facilities, people living in abusive situations, homeless people, and people who did not have the funds to keep a mobile phone topped up. And how does Helplines Partnership work to influence 
national policy related to mental health issues? Helplines are facing a number of challenges. Calls to helplines have increased significantly in the past year, with some helplines reporting volume increases of over 40%. Helplines tell us that the complexity of the calls they receive is also increasing. The callers having multiple and complex issues that can include mental health problems, housing, debt, unemployment or substance abuse. Let me break down some of this uh, for you. Helplines and suicide. The number and rate of suicide and better support for helplines would mean more resources available for people when they are most in need. Rates are highest for males aged 35 to 54 years and females aged 40 to 59 years. Suicide levels over the past four years have increased. There was a considerable rise in the number of apparent suicides within two days of release from police custody, with 59 such deaths nationally, the highest number recorded over the last nine years. Almost two-thirds of these affected were known to have mental health concerns. Suicide is a pressing challenge for the UK. There have now been a number of studies demonstrating an association between the areas of England worst affected by unemployment during the recent financial crisis and increased suicide rates. Between 2008 and 2010, there were approximately 800 more suicides nationally among men and 155 more among women than would have been expected based on historic trends. Helplines have a critical role to play in offering crisis support to people who are experiencing suicidal feelings or who are emotionally, uh, who are emotionally vulnerable. Helplines and funding challenges. We have concerns that current funding arrangements penalise helplines for two reasons. It is harder for helplines to show their outcomes compared to other services. Put bluntly, it is difficult to know what happens when the call ends. While follow-up work is possible, helpline users value the confidentiality and immediacy of the service, which can make users' tracking uh, surveys challenging. Many helplines work across geographic boundaries. Their callers don't care that they might be based on the other side of the country. They just need someone to talk to. This can create challenges with very localised funding pots targeted to local populations. We know of helplines that have closed down recently, and we believe that it is vital for helplines to keep their lines open for those who need them. We're working with health policymakers on this issue and are raising awareness of the positive impact that well-run and well-managed helplines have. We would like to see more statutory helplines run to the standard that the voluntary sector helplines maintain, particularly on access issues and responses to emotional content. Phone cost campaigning. Helplines partnership is campaigning on phone costs. Affordability of service provision is an issue of critical importance to the helpline sector. Helpline calls have risen by around 40% in the past few years, but a number of helplines have found the external funding environment extremely tough. Three quarters of helpline staff answering calls from vulnerable people are volunteers and already run on shoestring budgets helplines cannot afford the increase in call costs that could come as a result to plan changes in the phone pricing structure in June 2015. Helplines of all sizes face problems with call volumes and answering calls. Limited resources mean that in practice helplines as answer as many calls as they can within financial and staffing constraints rather than meeting the overall level of demand. Helplines cannot answer every call attempted because they lack capacity. Unfortunately, in this sector, the caller that doesn't get through might be the person with suicidal feelings. Thank you. I'd like to ask you 
what role you believe helplines and related resources have in providing alternatives to A&E attendance? Mental health helplines have a major role to play in delivering the key objectives within the cross-governmental health strategy, No Health Without Mental Health, and are a key, if sometimes unnoticed, part of complementary provision. Local commissioners need to have a greater understanding of helpline services and of the work that is being done every day by helplines that actively complement NHS provision. Helplines offer some of the most cost-effective and accessible provision available by being contact contactable outside the operating hours of other services. This reduces the impact on the statutory system by lowering emergency admissions and helping to signpost people to the right pathway for care provision. Helplines provide people with choice and the means to contribute to and manage their own health and well-being. In our recent survey of helplines with a specialist interest in support for people with mental health problems, 40% of helplines categorised the support they offer as an ongoing rather than one-off. This means that vulnerable people are choosing helplines as a preferred method of support. Helplines have a positive impact on wider health services by supporting users to access health services at the most appropriate point. A late night call to a helpline might mean that an A&E visit is avoided if the caller receives some support and information that may prevent further harm from happening or makes a choice to access a different part of the NHS service. A survey by Mental Health Foundation on mental health helplines found that most of the GPs surveyed, 73% that is, were aware of mental health helplines and over half felt helplines were a useful service and could prevent crisis. Helplines were seen to have the potential to provide an additional tool for GPs and to deliver a cost-effective means of support out of hours. Over half of GPs would consider commissioning helplines in the future. Community mental health teams involved in the study recognised helplines' role in providing support for patients when services cannot. They acknowledged that listening services improve well-being for someone in a crisis. They viewed helplines as a complementary to secondary mental health services and could reduce the burden on staff in mental health services. You mentioned the difficulties in knowing what happens once the call ends. How do you evaluate the impact that helplines have? We've commissioned external evaluations by the Mental Health Foundation which found that helplines have an important role supporting people with mental health and emotional needs together with their carers, families, friends and professionals treating them. Helplines complement the provision of mental health services, particularly when integrated within care plans. They are also accessible to individuals without a diagnosis and those who find it hard to engage with mainstream services. We have undertaken studies on how vulnerable people access helpline services and about how helplines respond to the needs of callers with mental health problems. We know that helplines can reach parts of society that other services struggle to engage with. Helplines also support charging stigmatisation attitudes by offering callers better information or support on mental health problems and relate issues such as housing and benefits and reassuring people that they are not alone. Studies that, are, that others have done have shown that an, uh, anonymous and confidential services can offer callers a sense of security and reduce callers' fears that they may be ridiculed or abused while they are in a vulnerable position. This is important when people are afraid or worried about seeking help and advice on difficult and sensitive issues. 
Having the option to remain anonymous can reduce the psychological barriers that may prevent people from seeking help and can make seeking help appear less threatening as well as minimising the risk of the caller suffering from the stigma or loss of social status, real or perceived that is, that could result from accessing other mental health services. We are also developing partnerships with universities and, ac and ac ac academics and have worked with the Helplines Research Unit at Loughborough University. Let me tell you a little bit about the Helplines and quality standards. We believe in quality. Members have to meet a minimum standard in order to join. Excellence in the sector is recognised by the Helpline standard. The quality framework defines and accredits best practice in Helpline work. It can be used for any Helpline service, whether it is being delivered by a voluntary, public or commercial sector, and over 120 Helplines have been formally accredited. The standard can be used to ensure Helplines are effectively meeting the needs of service users, to demonstrate quality to funders or commissioners and to demonstrate a commitment to quality to service users. Thank you. I understand that the excellent work that Helplines Partnership has been doing has been increasingly recognised. Please could you tell us a little bit about the Charity Staff and Volunteers Awards uh, and other fora in which your work has been noted and, and awarded? It is always an honour to, uh, to, to receive awards or to be nominated and shortlisted and uh, Helplines Partnership was delighted to be recognised at the Charity Staff and Volunteers Awards, winning the category for Social Entrepreneur of the Year. Liz Felton, our Chair uh, of the Helplines Partnership, was shortlisted as one of the three finalists for the Trustee of the Year and awarded for, uh, for an award for cre uh, creating a merger between the, the Mental Health Helplines Partnership and the Helplines Association to form what is now uh, the Helplines Partnership. In addition, 13 members of the Helplines Partnership were also finalists in that award, with six winning in their categories. Helpline staff and volunteers work incredibly hard, and it is good to see their work recognised. In other areas, we have also been uh, shortlisted in the top 10 digital leaders in the Digital Leaders 2014 Award as an NGO, uh, and I personally as in the top 100 digital leaders across all sectors. We have also uh, been in the nomination field from uh, The Guardian and Microsoft Dynamics for our culture and ethics, and although we didn't win that particular award, we were one of the three uh, finalists, uh, it resonates st uh, strongly with me because we were the only charity to be in that shortlist in the 11-year history of the award. Congratulations and very well deserved. Theo, I'd like to thank you again for coming today and sharing your insights into the role that helplines have with people with mental health problems and providing them with a vital resource. So thank you. Thank you very much for your time. I hope you find what we've discussed interesting and I hope uh, the members find it interesting. Please do get in touch if anyone else wants to find out anything more. Thank you. Thank you.